ശ്രവണം മനനം നിധിധ്യാസനം ലെസൺ റിഫ്ലക്ട് ആൻഡ് അബ്സോർബ് ഡിയർ ലിസ്നേഴ്സ് സായിറാം ആൻഡ് വെൽക്കം ടു അവർ റേഡിയോ സീരീസ് ഇൻ വിച്ച് എ ഡിവൈൻ ഡിസ്കോഴ്സ് ബൈ ഭഗവാൻ ഇസ് പ്ലേഡ് ഇൻ സ്മോൾ പാർട്സ് ആൻഡ് ഫോളോയിങ് ഈച്ച് പാർട്ട് എ ഷോർട്ട് ഡിസ്കഷൻ ഇസ് അണ്ടർടേക്കൺ ടു റിഫ്ലക്ട് ഓൺ ദ മെസ്സേജ് This is a part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Prem from Radio Sai and Hari Shankar from Sri Satya Sai Central Trust every Thursday at 7:30 p.m. only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. Today's episode was first broadcast live on 4th August 2016. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of summer course in Indian culture and spirituality 1991 have a listen please offering our loving pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet dear listeners we welcome you to this week's episode of shravanam mananam nididhyasanam so always this is prem from team radio sai and with me is brother hari shankar from the shri satyasai central trust we are here to start a new discourse in the series that we've been going through the 1991 samakos series this series is uh, focused on the upanishads and the last discourse that we had which was the fifth discourse in the series was on the Kino Upanishad so this week it's going to be a new Upanishad then I'm sure it's going to be interesting and there'll definitely be a lot more new things to learn so before we start uh, an introduction in introducing the topic of this discourse I'll invite Hari to join all of us Sadam Hari right and uh, as I was just saying that it's a new discourse this time the discourse which Swami delivered on 26th of May yes 1991 during the summer course yeah. right so in this discourse uh, we are covering the prashnopanishad right swami actually i think swami addresses the first question of the prashnopanishad in this particular uh, discourse right uh, the prashnopanishad as the name suggests it's a upanishad of questions Question. and uh, the whole upanishad is structured on i think uh, six questions six right? questions that uh, as to put it like in a nutshell essentially there are s- several students who come to sage pippalada so all of them are actually have some background in the in vedic studies right and uh, they are sort of familiar with the concept of uh, brahman mm-hmm. but yet they want to learn from a teacher right so they come to a guru who they have heard is like enlightened and he knows Uh, subtle secrets about brahman so it is with that intent that they have uh, come to this uh, guru that is sage pipalada and uh, they so six uh, students they ask him like questions one by one and in the replies that he gives to these uh, students so is contained a lot of you know uh, deep secrets from vedanta this upanishad actually communicates through the medium of these conversations between the sage and his and his disciples right that what is the nature of uh, brahman 
in fact we'll find some overlap see the last kenopanishad we spoke about the senses mm-hmm. and how we come to our senses regarding <laughs> the senses right? right so here it almost uh, takes off from that same point and goes a little further so uh, to speak a little bit about the prashnopanishad it is from the atharva veda right and it is considered one of the mukhya upanishads so of all the several upanishads that there are we have got 108 right, right which are con- considered as the mukhya upanishads i think this is the fourth in that uh, this is the fourth yes this right. is the fourth in that it is from the atharva veda in fact uh, swami mentions that this is like a commentary on the mundaka upanishad right swami says that whatever uh, concepts uh, are spoken about in brief in the mundaka upanishad they are again elaborated in the prashna upanishad six questions uh, which are asked of that the fourth question is considered to be the most profound uh, question right and the other two are like follow up after that two follow up questions in some places it is written that actually there are only four questions to begin with okay yeah the two and were kind the of two added two have been like over time they have kind of mm-hmm. been added to the upanishad but the original text is supposed to have only four questions right and in fact mm-hmm. uh, i was reading somewhere the the commentary on prashnopanishad especially the western philosophers looking at it mm. they were looking at it from the point of view of the education system and in yes. those times yes, you know yes. as it comes across because as we all know a typical or western education or the current day education because mm. that's it's no more western it's as universal as anything which is universal yes. so in it's not like the teacher comes and uh, presents the topic in the form of a question and answer that's yeah. what generally we we do you know we have a uh you, even a textbook these says are like that mm. there's a question and then the explanation is in the form of uh the answer is actually the theory of that subject itself mm. but uh, here he says that you know there are these students as you said they're already little well versed in the subject because they have come from such families they right. already come with a little bit of uh, background exactly and it, so it is like they coming and putting forth their understanding in the form of a question <laughs> and expressing what they seek to know yeah and then the guru kind of fills in what uh, you know the missing uh, pieces correct, correct. in that there are already very deep questions to begin with you wouldn't expect uh, an average student <laughs> right. so to speak to even come up with these uh, questions right exactly in fact you know that is the beauty this morning i was just wondering the difference between prashna and you know samshaya mm-hmm. because swami mm-hmm. would say samshayatma vinashyate mm-hmm. having doubts you perish mm-hmm. so you're not supposed to have doubts right. but you can have questions mm mm-hmm. it is like you're not sure whether you're going to get the answer or not mm. i think questions is you know the answer is there yeah. but i mm. need to ask the right questions to so that the you know the explanation comes out and it it is more palatable yeah it's like from a sense of wonder or right. curiosity right like genuineness you know genuine yeah. inquiry swami makes it very clear that that these students who came they first come to the sage mm-hmm. and uh, then they directly ask him like can you teach us the secrets of the brahman and at that time he says that i need you to stay with me for one year right and he gives them certain conditions like this is how you must live and only after that will i uh, start you know answering your uh, questions right just like for swami when you come as a devotee and all of us would come there with with the hopes that swami would call us for an interview the day we arrived <laughs> right but you know swami would put us through so many like like so many filters right he would take us through joys and disappointments and and all that so there would be a lot of uh, testing that swami would do before he would then 
we could put our questions to him right, right? right. so i recall you know in one conversation with swami i had this uh, kind of doubt i had i wanted to ask swami something spiritual mm-hmm. the thing was that I, i wasn't much into enquiry or, or i didn't have the background for that okay and yet you know some conversation with swami something i thought you know i'm talking mm-hmm. to swami i should ask him something spiritual right? <laughs> and so i decided that i would ask him about gayatri mantra i said like uh, swami should we do the uh, gayatri upasana and uh, swami the look that he gave me it was very clear he knew that i was asking the question just for the sake of asking mm-hmm. that there was no you know enquiry into it and there was i had not put any thought into it myself mm-hmm. so it wasn't an earnest question right. it was trying to make conversation with swami and so he said see uh, that is not for you right now you okay. know so i could sense you know i felt a sense of disappointment with myself right. that i had really not put in that hard work mm-hmm. which would have then earned me the right to ask uh, swami that question mm-hmm. you know, so. it just reminds me of a <coughs> beautiful zen story uh-huh. read long back mm-hmm. there is this man who goes to the master and you know he's really uh, troubled because of the ways of the world mm-hmm. ups and downs and you know pleasure and pain so he goes to the master and says master tell me now what is the purpose of life mm. you know you go after something sometimes there is success sometimes there is failure you do your best but nothing happens sometimes you know just a stroke of luck so he says it's all confusing i mm. really want to know what's the idea behind all of this so the master says yeah this is the idea <laughs> okay so what do you mean this is the idea this is the purpose of all that yeah so he said one day you will stop and ask what is the idea behind all this <laughs> and you know that genuineness with which you ask yeah. the whole thing is you know, the spirit of confusion is so that that you know you literally vomit out that question in frustration yes. and say that i really want to know yes and that's what it is pr- prashna because uh, even that swami would quote uh, that incident in shirdi uh, avatar that pari prashna mm. shirdi baba gives the explanation of the word pari prashna mm. he says it's not just asking a question mm. but asking out of genuine curiosity and genuine enquiry as you said you know born out of a period of enquiry yeah. that you are really asking to you know close a gap in your understanding yes. it is not asking for asking sake because we, we've seen that with swami as you're saying many times swami would say ask a question and one of the questions which will always pop up is swami mm. you know mind is uh, unstable or something yeah, like that yeah. you are not lying <laughs> but as we were discussing it's not a question in that sense mm. it's not a question that swami was asking mm. you know was urging us to ask yeah. it was just a question for the sake of asking and at that time swami will get very upset he'll say i've explained so many times you keep asking the same things <laughs> and you know and you could see that that sometimes swami will respond to the question you know we were going through a video where somebody is asking a very very beautiful question mm-hmm. okay philosophically it's a very beautiful question mm-hmm. but swami is dis- dismissing it off mm-hmm. so i'm saying just for the sake of asking questions you ask yeah. yeah so it's it's only that swami is able to gauge you know from where that question is really coming yeah because uh, see sometimes lot of us like i, I think uh, we like to indulge in some of these uh, questions like for example karma like people ask like so many varied you know we create so many situations and we say like how does karma uh, mm-hmm. how can you explain you know sometimes when we speak to audiences like uh, about uh, what swami swami's philosophy or our experiences they come back with some questions like this and it is they are very tough questions to answer right they very involved intricate right, right. and then at sub- sometimes i wonder like what would swami have said you know like not talking about the quality of the reply but very often like swami would actually look if that question was relevant to your life 
right like, exactly did it true. come from some life experience or taking that theory you you got so involved with the concept mm-hmm. that now you're trying to analyze it rather than trying to apply it in your life because as far as karma is concerned you could look at it two different ways one is that you know what uh, the you will face the consequences in the future of what you're doing right now so look out right. <laughs> watch out right. like that's all if you want to apply it like that's all there is pretty mm-hmm. uh, simple i think like all these questions like whatever we put to ourselves or we put to swami it should be very clear that they illumine some area of our life right yeah. so it's 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 not to do with some conceptual uh, you know discussions right. exactly and you know in fact uh, as we go through this discourse we will come to see the uh, the desperation with which the question is asked mm. and when the clarity doesn't come in the answer mm. you know you will find a certain amount of restlessness from the point of the person who is asking Correct. the question yeah. it is not uh, a superficial irritation but as i saying that you know when you have that real earnestness to mm. have that clarity if the mm. clarity doesn't uh, is not Emerge. forthcoming then mm. you you were really disappointed <laughs> you know that's what uh, we would see in this in this one and uh, you're saying it's a very beautiful discourse it's very very deep and the the other funny thing which i found in this discourse was the way it is starting just like the previous one because funny is the wrong word but a very amusing thing i would say mm-hmm. the way swami starts mm-hmm. the discourse just mm-hmm. like the previous discourse swami started off by speaking of love mm-hmm. and how we saw you know very very seamlessly swami bringing the concept of devotion and mm-hmm. love into the thing so i think even this discourse swami starts with an interesting thing like that mm-hmm. so we will go into the discourse we will listen to the first clip and we will take it on from there parupakarayam ಫಲಂತಿಪಕಾರಾಯ ಪರೋಪಕಾರೀರ ಪರೋಪಕಾರಾರ್ಥ ನಿಮಿತ್ತಮೈ ವೃಕ್ಷಮುಲು ಜಗತ್ತುನಕು ಫಲವನ್ನು ಅಂದಿಸುತ್ತಾರೀಸ್ಪಕಾರಾರ್ಥಂತಿ ವೃಕ್ಷ ಈ ವೃಕ್ಷಮುನಕು ಇಂತ ಪವಿತ್ರಮೈನ ಪಾವಮು ಆವಿರ್ಭವಿಸ್ತುಂದಿ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಸೇಕ್ ಆಫ್ ಅದರ್ಸ್ ದ ಟ್ರೀಸ್ ಬೇರ್ ಫ್ರೂಟ್ಸ್ ದ ಟ್ರೀಸ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪ್ರೆಸ್ ಸಚ್ ಸೀಕ್ರೆಟ್ ಫೀಲಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಪರೋಪಕಾರಾರ್ಥಮೈ ನದುಲು ಪ್ರವಹಿಸುತ್ತುಂದಿ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಸೇಕ್ ಆಫ್ ಅದರ್ಸ್ ರಿವರ್ಸ್ ಫ್ಲೋ ತಮ ಜಲಮನು ತಾಮು ಗ್ರೋಲವು ದೇ ಡೋಂಟ್ ಡ್ರಿಂಕ್ ದೇರ್ ಓನ್ ವಾಟರ್ ತಮ ಜಲಮನಂತೈ ಕೂಡನು ಜಗತ್ತುನಕು ಅಂದಿಂಚಿ ಪರೋಪಕಾರಾರ್ಥಮೈ ಪ್ರವಹಿಸುತ್ತುಂದಿ 
they give away all their water to the world and flow for others' welfare. Paropakarathanimittamai Pasivulu Chiramunu Manavura Kandinchunadi Cows to be of use to others give milk to humanity. They don't drink their own milk. However, man having forgotten this truth, that this body has been given for the purpose of being useful to others, takes to the narrow-minded path of self-interest and selfishness. Man of today does not even have one thousandth of the sacrifice that the trees, rivers and cows possess. From the moment one wakes up at dawn to the time one falls asleep at night, it is all selfishness, selfishness and selfishness. What is the reason behind the turmoil the country is undergoing today? It is the selfishness and self-interest. Selfishness is essential. Self-interest is also necessary. But there can be no welfare without limits. Even selfishness must be within certain limits. That's why divinity is not to be seen in a human being. Man is not even making an effort to live as a man. If man were to live like a man, that in itself is humanness, divinity. What you say exists does not exist. What you say doesn't exist, exists. Only God exists at all times. Behold the world, 
that was always non-existent. The whole world is permeated by divinity. World doesn't exist separately. The whole world is permeated by Lord Vishnu. All of this is Brahma. The entire universe is permeated by God. World and divinity are not distinct. It is about this oneness the Prasnopanishad began imparting lessons. Every object or padartha has a higher basis or paratha. Without the basis, the object cannot be understood. A living being without the life force or prana ceases to exist. In the same way, objects without their basis are useless. Paratha is the source, Padartha is the gross. While Paratha is the basis, Padartha is the effect. When viewed from the worldly perspective, these two appear contrary to each other. However, when we see through a spiritual eye, it is impossible to perceive in the world a living form without life, the based without the basis, the inert without consciousness or a consciousness without the inert. So that was the first clip of the discourse and uh, the reason why I said I found that beginning of that discourse very very interesting is hmm. how Swami starts with the uh, seva or you know living for others uh, as Swami would put it parupakaram as the basis of human life hmm. you know, because when you talk of higher concepts when you're especially talking about very very philosophical concepts hmm. you're looking at you know like what came in the later part of that clip you know, padartha or parartha or adhiyam and you know, some kind of words like that. Mm. But Swami starts with a concept which is so close home, you know, you don't have to think too hard to understand that. Mm. Swami starts with examples of trees and uh, rivers and all that. And I'm sure it's going to be very, very fascinating to see how in the later part of the discourse, Swami comes back to this concept and he says that, you know, when you really live these Upanishadic values and uh, lessons, this is how it will express itself in your daily life. Very natural manifestation. Also, some of us may be addicted to the concept of service. Right. right? And 
like we don't know what what is the joy that we are deriving from it but there is something uh, unexamined perhaps for some of us because we keep serving others and then we don't feel nourished or we don't learn something from that it it just right. becomes an automatic thing uh maybe to look good in front of others or something that we undertake right you know as far as people are concerned we are out there mm-hmm. serving society right but what is that inner motivation for that what intention is getting served by you serving out there that is not you know examined by us right, right? so swami is making it very clear that these are some of the preparatory rights that you have to undertake mm-hmm. before you actually become somebody who is a person of service to society right. and you know whenever swami uh, speaks of this concept of paropakaram mm. when to look at it as only a service it's a very very narrow minded approach mm. because when swami says paropakaram you give up selfishness mm. you know and self interest mm. a lot of other concepts come in because when mm. swami speaks about sanskriti or culture mm. swami would say culture is concern for others mm. so when you say concern for others I mean you might be traveling in a business class flight mm. but you thinking of you know am i disturbing the person next to me hmm. am i uh, in any way causing discomfort to the person next to me hmm. even that becomes paropakaram actually yes that you are you know factoring the other person's wellness in your thinking in your ac- actions that becomes paropakaram so hmm. culture is actually an expression of what swami says is paropakaram yes or if you say that as a person in the family mm. you think more of your responsibilities than your rights right you no know, as a father you're thinking that no this is my responsibility i can cut down on my uh, what is my comfort and what is my mm. uh, leisure this is my duty i have to do this that is also a, an expression of paropakaram yes and uh, going out in the society if you talk about civic sense mm. like you know swami would say that you're going through a road you might not come back through the road again yeah. but you find a stone on the way you pick it up and throw it away exactly you are not going to come back to you know benefit from that uh, act of yours but you're doing it because that's your nature you know yes. somebody will be affected so let me do that yeah see like what what we commonly understand like when we look at a person and we say that he is a man of re- refinement right. a person of refinement what we generally mean to say that is that Uh, he or she has a sophisticated way of speaking right. a polite they polite or gracious in their uh, mannerisms etc right. but you know that is nothing to say of what the person actually is inside right and it's it's true of almost each one of us here essentially humans right like right. and we have an animal nature within each one of us so when we speak of this refinement we're actually we are the ability the extent to which we can separate ourselves from such animal urges mm-hmm. right or the what we call as you know the lizard brain the first impulses <laughs> like as the extent to which we can separate ourselves from that to that extent we are recognized as you know people of cultured right yeah cultured refinement but that also means that you naturally then start behaving in a way that you become sensitive to people around you right it, it's it's right. like so that so the entire yoga all of the sadhana that we do is essentially to separate ourselves or from acting on those right, first impulses right. Right. So exactly if you look at it uh, in the gita krishna says mm. there are four types of devotees mm. artha atarthi and jignasu and jnani mm. it's surprising that even a jignasu is actually not the best <laughs> because even a jignasu is looking for something that he can take for himself yes. you know there is a certain amount of selfishness but when you talk of a devotee who has completely surrendered 
there is zero self interest there mm. when you talk about complete surrender not the surrender which you and i can claim to have but the level of surrender which swami expects from a devotee mm. you you are not even looking at a state of uh, you know elevated heaven or anything like that yeah you're only saying that you know whatever pleases you i'll do that whatever you're happy with you do that this life is mine whatever happens that selflessness what swami is talking about here becomes so natural mm. and you know that is why even the previous discourse that swami gave that so much importance to devotion in uh, in that middle of that discourse when he was explaining that concept of uh, going beyond the senses going beyond the mind and uh, of course interestingly swami says that you know selfishness and self interest is necessary to an extent yeah but there should be limits even to that yes actually uh, you know this uh, dr samuel sandwise mm-hmm. he he's written this book spirit and the mind and actually there he distinguishes how uh, the ego in even in psychology it is understood that the ego is necessary to exist up to a certain extent like imagine that uh, if a baby were there completely selfless it wouldn't cry when it felt uh, the pangs of hunger wouldn't be able to communicate to anybody mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. right and likewise if you look at children right if if they do not have a certain amount of ego you know it doesn't Uh, make them you know compete with each other they don't learn it, it actually is necessary up to a certain extent right? right and he mentions that swami mentioned to him exactly the same thing mm-hmm. you know he says that swami says that the ego is required up to a certain extent but then uh, beyond a certain point of time you got to now start examining like how much it is ruling your life and then slowly you know diminishing the effects right. of that uh, ego in fact you know this morning we were playing a discourse and mm. swami says mm. swami is talking about patriotism so swami makes a very uh, interesting point there he says as long as dehabhimanam is there mm. deshabhimanam is good mm. Mm. right very good that's mm. what we were saying that you know we get a, the order of the concepts wrong yeah today we are talking of being global citizens yeah. but swami says you can't you know give up that idea of my country and love for my country hmm. as long as you have the dehabhimanam hmm. and just like as you're saying the dehabhimanam is good to a certain extent because you know that that gives you that uh, responsibility towards yourself and the people around you hmm. that comes from a little bit of dehabhimanam hmm. so as long as that is there this love for your society this love for your uh, you know the bigger society in, in in the form of the nation is so very important yeah so when swami says that self interest has to have its uh, limits mm. and i think it's that balance yeah. which comes with wisdom yeah it's like uh, at some point of time you should take responsibility for that existing right. and maybe start using the ego when it is required <laughs> like <laughs> right. like if you see so many times like if you look at bhagwan's uh, life also there are many times where he would assert himself mm. right like saying that look uh, i am the teacher here and you have no we have to maintain our uh, roles and right, responsibilities right. right so wherever it is appropriate like we have an idealized thing called egolessness but swami wasn't uh, that way like where needed where it is appropriate he would demonstrate uh, the ego but that didn't mean that he was under the influence of ego but if necessary he would assert himself to be the individual right and where it was not required he would abandon that and the, then be you know completely at the service of Right. society right like that is a very important thing that swami is conveying that's the greatest thing to achieve in a sense that you know that ability to know that when you're supposed to assert yourself when yes. you're supposed to hold yourself yes, back yes. when a little bit of self interest is good yeah. when you know when is it selfishness and when is it 
you know rightful self self interest yeah. i mean every every dilemma is like that the mm-hmm. dilemma which arjuna yeah. has also is that only you know it's completely tied yeah. up with the uh, concept of dharma it is right like, exactly this whole thing is so intricate like right. it, it, and you know that's that's the thing which came to my mind when you're talking about we uh, conjuring some situations and mm-hmm. asking what is the right thing to do that or how karma yeah. will play mm-hmm. out like that mm-hmm. from swami's point of view swami would i mean there would be a simplistic approach from swami's point of view you mm. know we are thinking about the factors and how many per- what percentage of this factor will mm. will have to uh, you know uh, uh, influence your decision yeah. but from swami's point of view look if, if you've led a life which is dharmic till that point in time mm. the decision will be so spontaneous you will not be wandering like this yeah. from swami's point it was so clear i think that is what it is that you know when you're talking about that balance knowing what is right what is wrong in fact we'll come to that part where these disciples when they come and ask their guru that's what he says mm. that can you lead a life of you know certain amount of morality a certain amount of humility and then come and ask me this question and very interestingly he says the actual verse the first verse of the prashna upanishad i think the reply of the guru the first reply which he gives he says uh, if we have the answer we'll share it with you mm-hmm. Oh. You no know, very beautifully and that's why the western philosophers actually look at it and he says that you know here is this guru one of the primary qualities that he expects from his students is humility mm. and he is himself expressing demonstrating it, demonstrating it, it. Mm. he's saying that if i have the answer i'll share it with you wow. <laughs> <laughs> then suddenly there's a gear shift where you know till yeah. this point swami speaks about uh, the selflessness and how parupkaram is so important living for the others is the essence of life then suddenly swami uh, starts saying that what you think exists does not exist mm. what you see is uh, not what really is there is a hidden basis and that is the importance to that and i think the later part swami will connect the two mm. you know how it uh, comes but i mean as you're saying that when we go through this this process and imbibe these principles of the upanishads it will automatically express itself as what swami calls as you know living for the others and selflessness and maybe it is even interchangeable as swami would say you start by practicing these values right and then you are prepared to receive that hmm. uh, the wisdom too yeah and uh, the verse that swami speaks about what you think uh, you see does not exist right and what you cannot see alone exists this is an echo from like what we heard in the last right, discourse right kano upanishad and because what we take for real is what we perceive outside and swami says that the reality is not found you are looking in the wrong direction for the reality and you have to look inwards and i think yet again the upanishad as well as this discourse again stresses on similar points right, right. the senses right. are essentially taking us for a ride <laughs> and getting lost in that ride getting immersed in that ride is what is you know preventing us from getting aware of our own reality right which as swami says that always exists like for all time there is only one god and only god exists and not the world mm-hmm. like swami mm-hmm. says that is always permanent that's what exists all the time and you getting immersed in what you see and taking that for real is preventing you from becoming aware mm-hmm. of what is always there the substratum what is permanent right and uh, before this point swami actually makes a very very beautiful statement about uh, mm. hu- human nature mm. and he says that you know if you can live like a human mm. it's equal mm-hmm. to attaining divinity yeah yes so it's it's almost like 
a state of equilibrium where you know you're able to live that human life to perfection yeah. after that there's nothing to do nothing to achieve precisely that it yeah. it almost like puts you in a cruise mode and you're <laughs> heading there i mean if you don't do anything wrong you're yeah. you're getting there anyway but you know that shows how difficult it is to maintain that state of humanness mm. and immediately after that chami is talking about you know what you see is not really what is that means that the importance which you give to that processing that happens behind the senses yes you were speaking about it even in the last discourse mm. you know your eyes are perceiving some things mm. your ears are bringing in some information mm. but the ability of that mind to process all of this mm. and process a bit of what memory you have mm. and your projection of from the memory this situation could be like this and then the constant thing of putting all these things together and that mosaicing and then you say that okay this is what is exactly the hidden agenda behind it or the hidden idea yeah. i think that is the idea of humanness yes like, and, and uh, just one layer behind that is the idea of discrimination right Because exactly simply simply put that's what separates the rest of creation exactly. from the human beings like you know, the uh, other day i was seeing a picture mm. national geographic had released a picture mm. there's this huge uh, five star hotel in africa mm. and they have a massive lobby Mm. you know like all these five star hotels have and there's a family of elephants which is going through that lobby oh <laughs> okay and uh, the description is very very interesting they were saying that you know this is a problem which they're facing in africa right because we know that uh, wildlife is so extensively present in africa yeah. and you have this development which is happening yeah and many of these animals they are like so programmed to migrate from one point to the other right and for generations they've been taking a, a straight Parts. route yeah. so if you build anything there many places they they have elephants walking through the center of the city so, <laughs> so they make the lobby so big so that these elephant can walk oh, through that's how much programmed an animal life is yeah that's what we see that but that is where the difference between an animal life and human life comes yeah. where you're constantly taking in inputs yeah. and uh, there is one part of you which is actually staying away from all of this yes and trying to put everything together yeah So that's why you need detachment because if you're going to be pulled by happiness and sorrow you can't do that analysis in that level of peace yeah, yeah. so somebody is actually describing this you know if you look at how evolution happens for a very long time the only living beings are that which could live in the sea so there were a certain set of possibilities of how you could live right so you swim in the water you breathe and then like one fine day we don't know how but there's this one fish probably <laughs> jumped right? out uh, which jumped out mm. and decided it could survive mm. right? and it liked what it saw in the land mm. and then the you know whole thing starts from there right the mm. the possibility of actually climbing trees right flying and then and or flight it all leads to people who can then sit and wonder about you know this mm. whole of existence <laughs> right it it sometimes i mean truly speaking man himself is a wonder i mean there's absolutely no doubt about it that if we can understand that a person sitting here can compute how old this universe is right. if they can pin it down to a number like 13.7 billion Indian. years it's an <laughs> unbelievable achievement i i don't know if you can really appreciate what that means right and right. now talking about what they talk now i think the gravitational wave Yes, it is like the the minute, very very minute, minute right? That blip—it's it's yeah. almost like a blip in, in yeah. gravitation. I, you know, I'm uh, like trained as a naval architect, mm -hmm. and I remember the first time that I am at Cochin Shipyard, the dry dock, okay, and uh, an oil tanker was uh, being repaired. Mm -hmm. right? I remember standing near the rudder, 
just looking at that huge contraption of mm-hmm. iron steel with right. such structures on top of that mm-hmm. and i wonder at that person who thought that this thing can float on water right exactly the enormous <laughs> confidence right mm-hmm. and i mean i think the same awe one feels when you when you you know stand in front of a boeing or an airbus mm-hmm. and you wonder you know this that such a there must be such intricate you know fail safe things uh, uh, structures built that people feel confident to get into that thing and sail through the air right, right. it's right. it's i mean incredible actually what <laughs> what maybe we don't give ourselves enough credit when we when we get into mm. these discussions but but it really is true right. and that becomes a responsibility right? right right and swami says okay good i'm happy you come so mm. far mm. but there's like lot more you I can mean, do i mean that's the beauty you know when as you're saying that just sitting and uh, reminiscing about the progress mankind has made or mm. looking at the achievements which have been done I mean in a very short time actually if you look at it it's just about yeah, it's 300 years you know it's very very short scale. time but then swami from his level he looks at it and says hmm. is that all you've got yeah. <laughs> right you know you you're capable of much more than that then yeah. you you know it really hits you what what is the capacity of this human intellect yeah. in and that sense it wasn't just saying prem the thing was that swami could embody that and we could see it right. for us exactly you know? and every time someone said that you can do this yeah, you know yeah. that uh, like had swami been like you know a disembodied voice mm-hmm. right uh, that was communicating uh, things to us maybe through somebody or we just hear you know in our heads like would that have the same effect as looking as looking at a person mm-hmm. like with a physical frame like yours and and if you look at his life the trials and tribulations and and all that and then saying that look like there it is possible to live like god while in a human body that's right. that's an extraordinary fortune exactly. really. i mean it really fills you with so much awe because one thing is mm. as you're saying the achievements that man has made and yeah. then sami saying that that's nothing compared <laughs> to what you can yeah. and then you look at the creation itself i mean yeah. you look at the creation as god's achievement in a sense yeah. and god has created it yeah. and then you know you have this purushottam it says that one quarter of my glory has become the creation hmm. three quarters is not manifest at all hmm. and that's god and then swami saying that you and i are one right i mean it, it really blows yourself out of proportion it's like once i was reading about if you were to draw the solar system to scale hmm. <laughs> you know what hmm. it would be yeah. because we've been seeing the wrong reference all the time yeah. it's unimaginable to see that what yeah. it is what is the size exactly yeah. it's almost like that you know living in our day to day things like okay lunches or watch about dinner mm-hmm. or I mean we're living in that sense it doesn't fill us with that enough or to think what is it that we really are uh, you know containing in this body yeah as swami would say that you know this is only the container look at the contained and the adharam and adheyam which swami yes. says that's what yes. it is well <laughs> i think the starting point is that or is yes, the that, entire wonder that no? wonder, wonder right exactly and that swami says it don't stop here yeah you've right. got a lot but you know <laughs> right so i think we'll uh, we'll conclude with that uh, yeah. today the listeners we're going to conclude with on behalf of hari i thank you all for joining and we offer this effort at swami's lotus feet do join us again next week we'll continue this discourse on the prashnopanishad and as you heard it is again one of the discourses which we've done retranslation the translation was in brother sunil's voice so again thank you for this opportunity and thank you for joining all of us So till we meet you next week sign up
Ram, you just heard an episode of our radio series, Shravanam Mananam Nidityasanam. Listen, reflect and absorb. This is a segment that is hosted live on Thursdays at 7.30pm by Prem from Radio Sai and Hari Shankar from Sri Satya Sai Central Trust only on Asia stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. Today's episode was first broadcast live on 4th August 2016. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian Culture and Spirituality, 1991. To listen to the next part of this program, tune in same time next week. Dear listeners, please do write to us and let us know what you think about this program by writing to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashanthi Nilayam.